This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. One of the things I love about these videos that we show and these testimonies is these people are not perfect. They're, they're just people like you and I. Uh, they haven't reached some point to where they're better than us. It's just that we're all going through a journey, and God is doing something so real in their life, they can't help but want to talk about it and want to share that. And this is where we're going today, actually. I, this is part of uh, a series we're about to begin in the book of James that's going to start today. And I want to show you the life of James and how his conversion happened and how his identity spiritually changed by his encounter with Christ. And each one of us have that opportunity. But I want to begin by just uh, looking for some honesty this morning. I'm going to ask you a question. If you're willing just to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I was, I was that kid. But how many of you as a child would be honest and say, at some point you probably took a towel or a sheet or something and wrapped it around your neck and pinned it there and would run around the house like Superman? Anybody in here admit that? Come on. Yeah, get those hands up. Yeah, let's see them. I was one of those. I loved being Superman. I wanted, I wanted to act like him. I, wanted to, I would run as fast as I could through the house, and where the carpet ended and the tile started, I would jump to see how many tiles I could jump to see how far I could fly. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, we wanted to be Superman. And as we're diving into this today, I want to, the, the title of this series is going to be Between Sundays. Between Sundays, and again, we're basing off all of this off of the book of James, and what I'm doing is James is going to give us a picture of how his identity changed with his conversion, with his accepting who Christ was. And hear what I say, he's accepting who Christ was. And you'll understand that as we get into this. This sermon is really setting the context today for the next few weeks. Because once you realize who James was and about his conversion, then what he says in the book of James is going to make way more sense. So today is really just setting the context for the next few weeks. So if I could just encourage you, if you're here today, I believe you're here for a reason. And if you're here today and you don't have a church that you typically go to, then I want to invite you back over the next few weeks. And let me take it a step further. If you're here every week, could I just invite all of us to maybe sit down and read the book of James? It's five chapters. It's not very long. It's not very hard, but I can tell you it's packed full. James was a very direct speaking person. Like, I mean, he just gives it to you as it is. And it's going to speak to us, but I believe by understanding who he was and how his life changed, it's going to help us understand even more. You see, in life, we kind of want to lead with the exterior, kind of like we want to look like Superman. So we want to put the cape on and we think by the cape, then I'm going to be able to fly like Superman. But God's more interested in the interior. And what happens on the inside, and that's where James is going to lead us as as well. So um, we operate on our out of our identity. That's just the truth. Who we are, how we operate, all comes from our identity. So you know it determines how you're going to treat others based on how you identify. What you fill your calendar with is based on how you identify. How you spend your money really comes down to how you identify yourself. 
And all these things spring from our identity. So how does James identify? Let's start there. We're going to get one verse in today in the book of James. Even though that's where this series is going to come from, I want you to look at James chapter 1, verse 1 with me. We're going to look at some other scriptures. This is the only scripture we're going to look at in James. It says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he's identifying himself in this moment. A bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he didn't start there. This is not how James started. He's not saying this when he's 12 or 15 years old. This is later on in his life. There was a journey, just like Shane shared some of his journey and what he's going through and how God is doing things in his life. James had a journey. There are four different James in the New Testament, and I want to help you understand which one of these we're hearing from in this scripture. There's James, the son of Zebedee. That's the brother of John. He's one of the 12 disciples. He's one of the four James in the New Testament. Son of Zebedee, brother of John, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Then, if you ever hear Peter, James, and John, that's who we're talking about, the son of Zebedee. Then there's James, the son of Alphas, who was also known as James the Lesser. That's one other one. The third one is James, the father of Judas. We find him in Luke chapter 6, verse 16. And you can read about that James, not a lot we know about him. The fourth James is James, the brother of Jesus. Now, of these four... There's two that it would kind of make sense that one of them would be the author of this book. One, the son of Zebedee, the brother of John, also one of the twelve. He was close to Jesus. I mean, you could understand if he was one that would write this book. Also, James, the brother of Jesus. It would make sense because, you know, they kind of lived together. He walked with Jesus. Maybe he would be one that would write it. Now, of those two... In Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we find that James, the brother of John, actually was put to death. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, About that time, Herod, the king, stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now, scholars agree, everyone agrees, that this happened in 44 AD, which was before the book of James was even written. So that kind of eliminates him from the list, right? We know it was not the brother of John who wrote James, so that only leaves the brother of Jesus. And when you hear that, you're kind of like, well, that makes sense. I mean, after all, again, he walked with Jesus. He lived with Jesus. Surely he would be one that could write a book of the Bible. But I want to show you the journey that James went on. He was not a believer in Jesus in the beginning. So if you will, we're going to look at Matthew, Mark, and John very quickly. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. And I want to show you this journey and how James actually saw Jesus in the beginning. Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. Here's what it says. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there, coming to his hometown. So he's going back to where his friends and family live, right? Back to see everybody. He began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom, these miraculous powers? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? 
aren't all his sisters with us? So the family was actually there. Where did, the, where did this man get all these things? And then it says they took offense at him. They're actually upset at what he is saying because they are like, we know this guy. He grew up around here. How can he say these things? How can he do these things? Now look at Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verse 20. Here's what it says. Jesus is becoming more and more well-known, right? He's, he's kind of gaining a following. It says, Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, look at this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he's out of his mind. Jesus' brother, his whole family is there to take charge of him because they think he's crazy. Doesn't stop there. Let's look at John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Here's what it says. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judah, excuse me, in Judea, because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. He's avoiding Judea because he says they're looking for a way to kill him, right? Here's what verse 2 says. When the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, okay, Jesus' brothers being James is one of them, right? Say to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works that you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. Now it looks like they're like supporting him. They're encouraging him. Hey, go show him what you're doing in Judea. However, look at verse 5. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. They're making fun of him. They're telling him, hey, go to the place where they want to kill you. See what happens when you start doing these things and saying these things in the area where they want to kill you. Does James sound like someone who should have written one of the books of the Bible? This is his own brother, and yet he's just making fun of him. He does not truly believe he is who he says he is. It would be like my brother if I were running around in my little towel that I had pinned around my neck, jumping around in the house, if he were to say, hey, Chad, you really think you're Superman? Let's get a ladder and let's get you up on top of the house. You jump off and see just how far you can fly. Is it not? Very similar to that. That's what brothers do. So what happened to James? What happened in his life that he would go from making fun of Jesus, not believing in Jesus, actually trying to pull him away from other people, thinking he's crazy, to Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, where Paul refers to James as a pillar of the New Testament church. How do we go from making fun of Jesus to James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, eventually, Jesus did go to Jerusalem. And as we all know, eventually, he was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. And he began to appear to a multitude of people. He appeared to the disciples. He appeared to a large crowd. And all of a sudden, the church is born. And he began, again, this, this James that we're talking about who goes from scoffer to servant. As we begin to look at this, I want to show you where this conversion happened. 
The whole time Jesus is on this earth, James did not believe he was the Messiah. So when did this happen? I want to show you 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. This is Paul talking. And Paul says, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you have taken, you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Here's what he's telling them. This is first importance. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried and raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. He appeared to Cephas, which is also Peter, and the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of them whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Here's what I love about the gospel. Here's what I love about our God. God is not asking us to base our faith in something that happened to one person thousands of years ago, mysteriously happened, and just somebody actually wrote about it. No, we have proof of all of this. God doesn't expect you to base your faith on some made-up story. There are witnesses to those who saw him crucified. There are witnesses to those who saw him buried. And there are witnesses to those who saw him alive three days later out of the grave. Not just one or two. Not just those closest to him. More than 500 people witnessed Jesus being alive. And so Jesus is going around after He was put into the tomb. He's risen from the dead. He's appearing to certain people. If you remember, he appeared in the upper room to the disciples. And Paul is talking about this. Now look at verse 7. After he's appeared to all these other people, it says, then he appeared to James. Then he appeared to the apostles. And Paul goes on to say, and then he appeared to me. This is where James has a moment. Can you just imagine, again, we're talking about brothers here. Can you imagine the reunion of these two brothers? Anybody in here have a brother? Yeah, I've got an older brother. I can only imagine getting to show up going, hey, James, remember when you made fun of me? Remember seeing me die on that cross? Here I am. Be like me flying in on my brother's back porch with a Superman outfit on going, hey, David, remember you used to make fun of me for playing Superman? Don't worry, I'm not really Superman. <laughs> what I love about this story is how personal our God is. Yes, he appeared to 500 people. Yeah, he appeared to the 12 disciples, but he had to find his brother. And think about this, James would not have been looking for him. Because we're talking about someone who did not believe in who Jesus was. He made fun of him. So when he saw him die on a cross, he thought, it's over. It's done. It wasn't like he was looking for Jesus, but Jesus went looking for James. And he appeared to him. James, see the scars? Remember everything I told you? I am who I said I am. God is not a God for us collectively. 
He is. That's why we come together in unity and worship. But he is a God for you individually. He knows the numbers of the hairs on your head, even if it's not very many. (laughs) He knows the number of days you will spend on this earth. And the Bible says he's coming back for those who are ready to meet him. But can I tell you something? More importantly, he's coming back for you. It's not just those as in those people out there somewhere are going to get to go meet with God. No, if you have Jesus in your heart, he's coming back for you. That's the God we serve. Jesus finds James, which in turn, James finds Jesus. And his whole identity changed. He's no longer Jesus, excuse me, he's no longer James, the brother of Jesus. He's now James, the bondservant of Jesus. Big difference. He's no longer making fun of his brother. He's now willing to go to the death for his brother. This is where we trace this conversion back to. I don't think it was just the reality that Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. I mean, that's pretty amazing in itself. But I think it was more the reason behind Jesus overcoming death, hell, and the grave that really brought James around. James, remember the day that we were chatting and I told you I'm doing this because this is God's way of bringing man to him? The reason I don't look like dad is because I was born of a virgin Mary. Mom mom wasn't with Joseph in order for me to be born. That's why I look a little different. I was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, this begins to make sense to James. Because Jesus had probably told him, but he wasn't getting it. Yeah, he grew up in the same house. They might have even shared a room. But it wasn't until Jesus appeared after his death that we see James' whole identity change. Everything changed when he found Jesus because Jesus found him. He doesn't open this book. James chapter 1 verse 1 does not say, James, a bondservant of God and the brother of Jesus. Very well could have said that. Would have been absolutely correct to say that. But what does he say? Bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He refers to himself as a bondservant. You've got to understand the importance of this. It literally meant slave. It's referring to one bound to another. In the Old Testament, when a slave had the opportunity to be released, and the master was saying, you no longer have to serve me, you can go. A servant could refuse and voluntarily submit themselves to their master. And they were called a bond slave or bond servant. James is choosing to see Jesus not as his brother, but as his master. Exodus chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 says, If the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, His master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door or doorpost, pierce his ear with an awl, and then he will be his servant for life. And if you notice, the servant here is motivated by love for the master. He is making a lifelong commitment to be the master's servant. James did not identify as Jesus' brother. He identified as one who would serve Jesus for life. 
He had a powerful yet personal moment of transformation. Not just by information, but by an encounter with Christ. And it truly changed who he identified as. So how do you define yourself? Do you see yourself as you've accepted Christ to save a spot in heaven? Did you pray that prayer so you could say, you know what, I'm good to go. Me and God are good, so I'm ready for heaven. Or have you been truly born again to the point where your whole identity changed from that moment? Have you had an encounter with Christ that was so powerful and impactful that your entire life changed? That every decision you make changed because of that experience? You ever hear parents talking about their kids and they'll say things like, yeah, I mean, they they go out on Friday nights and have fun, but they're a good kid. Yeah, they might do some silly things, but, but they're a good kid. I've got two kids of my own. And I want them to be good kids, but can I tell you something? Since when was the goal just to have good kids? Church, the reason that we went to work last year and we raised money and we worked very hard to get this youth facility put together is not so that we can have a lot of middle school and high school good kids. It's so that we can bring them into this place and give them an opportunity to have a transformational experience with the risen Christ. To truly be changed from the inside out. Not just put something on the outside and walk around and say, I can look like this, I can talk like this, and I'll be okay. It's a transformational experience with the Heavenly Father. And the same goes for you and for me. It's not over there. It's right here. It's not just right here. It's in your car when you're driving down the road. It's in your home when you sense that you need to make a change in your life and God is speaking to you. It doesn't just have to happen here at church. When's the last time you had such an encounter with Christ that something changed? That you were never the same. Not just putting a cape on, running around the house to talk like him or be like him. James is going to break down the door, man. Get ready for the next few weeks. I'm telling you, he's direct. He speaks straight to our hearts. And he's saying, how do you identify yourself? Are you a doer of his word or a hearer only? Those are the kind of questions he's going to ask us. I had a conversation with a college student a few weeks ago. I got to tell you, they were a little bit freaked out. They're here today, so I'm going to protect who I'm talking about. But they called me and said, I really want to come in and talk to you. And I had no idea what it was about until we got in my office. And they said, God's been talking to me. God's been speaking to me. And I want to make sure that I'm listening, that I'm, that I'm doing this right. And I said, are you obeying him? And he said, yeah. I said, you're doing it. And he said, I don't think he's done. I feel like there's more. I said, there is. 
It's God. There's always more. And what I love about it is this person is making decisions based on what God is telling them, not based on what their friends are doing, not based on what the parents say, but on what God is speaking into their life. It's a true transformation from the inside out. It's so nice to see that. So nice to hear stories like Shane's. To see people walking through their journey, just like you and just like me. Letting God change their life. Are you a follower of Christ in name only? Just going through the motions? This is what James is going to challenge us with. I wonder, have you ever heard a person who, were, who would say, you know, man, I prayed the prayer and, and I got saved. But you look at their life and nothing in their life really lines up with the word of God. Think about this. How many times have you, have you heard someone say that they made their decision to follow Christ, but there's no evidence of Christ from Sunday to Sunday? There's no evidence that they're following God's word every single day. Let me ask you a more difficult question. Could that be said of you? I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. I'm not saying that as I'm looking out here trying to think, who would that be? I don't want you looking around at who that would be. I'm asking you, could that be said of you? James, he was bonded to Jesus. James was bonded to serve, and he was bonded until death. And that's exactly what happened to him. Story goes that James was thrown from the top of a temple after he stood up to declare that Jesus was the Messiah. The Jewish leaders turned on him, pushed him off the temple. When he landed on the ground, he didn't die. It says that he sat up and he began to cry out even louder, even praying for those around him. And the Jewish leaders told the crowd to begin to stone him, and they did. And they're stoning him as he's praying for them, as he's calling out that Jesus is the Messiah. And finally, there was a stream close by where people were cleaning their clothes. This is gross. They were cleaning their clothes and they had these clubs that they would beat their clothes with. They took one of these clubs over and they hit him over the head in order to take his life. He died that martyr's death. And I asked this question a few weeks ago, but I think it's worth asking again. And it's not, are you willing to die for Jesus? The question is, are you willing to live for Jesus? The time that you have on this earth, are you willing to let him lead your life from Sunday to Sunday? Not just put on the cape, walk to church, sing some songs, pray some prayers and go home. Sunday to Sunday. a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads with me? I asked this question earlier and I'll ask it again. When was the last time you were so moved by God's presence that something changed in your life?
That presence is here today. Father, I pray for every person in this room. I'm not, I'm not looking for raised hands. I'm, I'm looking for us to truly just look into our hearts and ask ourselves the question, when's the last time I truly let God do a work in my life? That I had such an encounter with Christ that I was changed from the inside out. Father, the most amazing thing about this is no matter how much of you we've had, there's always more. No matter where we're at in this journey, no matter how long we've been serving you, there's more. You want to do more in our life? There's always something that we need to change. Pray that we would not just show up on Sunday mornings, put on our cape, walk to church, showing that we have it on the exterior, but nothing different on the interior. God, that we would live Sunday to Sunday, every single day, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Seeing ourselves in that way is going to change how we talk, it's going to change how we act. It's going to change how we fill our calendar. It's going to change how we speak to our children. It's going to change how we speak to our spouse. It's going to change how we work in our employment. Everything about us, as we identify as a bondservant of Jesus Christ, means things are going to look different. I pray that we would look different. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.